Hello and welcome to the advanced screening. My name is Justin Corbett and joining me after two and a bit months following the Wallabies team around France for the Rugby World Cup, it's Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? I drink your milkshake. <laughs> hey, Miss McLennan. <laughs> That's what you've been doing, right? You've been away for two months, traveling through France, just watching the Wallabies, taking in the sights of Europe. Of anything worse to do? Well, I suppose that it, it, there's. I, I think I would really enjoy it at the moment. It'd be really fucking funny. Um, <laughs> no, I've made. I, I mate. But mums and bubs cinema today, ten a.m. Dendi. I went back after my Spider-Man experience. And why? Why are you at a mums and bubs screening? Why, why haven't we been I here for two months? <laughs> I have a child, and I've yet to abandon it. Not yet. How long do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Like um, you've got some news too. Yeah, it's been it's been a while since we've been on. So you had a child, and I got engaged. So we've been preoccupied for a little bit. What what was it that your wife and now mother of your child said when you told her I got engaged? About time, or is it all like is he now considered a grown up? About time, he's catching up. He's finally reached the age of what his birth certificate says. Something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it experiences of this age are very different at the moment i don't know if what i often think about is is this the right time to have a child why do you think that when when is when is the right age to have a child um 50 years ago we would have been 10 years too late uh right about now i think you're nailing it do you think so depends how fit you stay i suppose you want to be? You don't want to be a really old dad. No, nobody wants. To, old dad has a tag to it as well, doesn't it? It has a ring. And you, and you're such a big sports fan. You don't want to be ailing around a football field when your kid's only fifteen or sixteen, kicking a, a football, and you're it's a weird and you're look. like that. Come on, dad, and you're in the background coughing. It sounds like the start to like a quit smoking ad. Yeah. Yes, it does. I, I'm no. I'm something I've been thinking about a lot because then it's almost like. When's the right age to? When do you want to match up with your child from an age perspective? So it's almost like I actually think yeah. right now is the early thirties is a great time to parent a teenager. But I, I actually think forties is probably a good time to have like a small child. When you when you've got a Benjamin when Button. you're giving your <laughs> so what's what's um you've got a son when you're giving your son his first beer at. 12 or 13, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's round it up to 16 or 17. How old will you be? 50? 50 when he's 18. I think yeah, that's pretty that's good. that's a good age. That, that's pretty good. i gotta, I got to pick up my pace a little bit because we're the same age. Where I find that's almost like there's a graduating at 50, you're like, you're an old person, right? Yes, but but, but it, that's that's middle age. Yeah, but like an old person who can still do plenty of stuff. Where? Yeah, what stuff are you doing? I don't know. You know, following the wallabies around. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> if you look at that telecast the other day, they're, they're mostly like grumpy men in their fifties. I saw um, a couple of a couple of my friends were wearing the um, wallabies berets that you were so vehemently against when they first got released. <laughs> what do you think of those? At the ground. At the ground, of course. At the ground. When else are you going to wear it? See these photos, please. <laughs> um, so, is there anything? Uh, I think we should do a little, little brief on the best baby movies ever made, uh, just to kind of decide whether you have scared yourself shitless into having a kid or are incredibly excited. Did you want to get straight into your list? Well, we've got, we've got. Pre- I, I've got it under pregnancy, birth. Okay. So that. And then we've also then, because you're getting married, we've got our top five wedding films. And the, the criteria I've applied to it is, again, as we do to all films, very broad. It doesn't have to be about pregnancy or birth. It needs to feature it. just needs to have it. Um, so I've got a five. I assume you've got a five. I've, and I've, I've got I a few we, of each. I, I assume we both have children of men at number one. We do. You sent, you sent me... 
Children of Men, uh, 2006 starring Clive Owen. You sent that to me like a month and a half ago when you first had the kid and we were talking about baby movies and I watched it two days later and I was like, fuck, this is a good movie. This is such a good movie. That is that um, is peak like um, Tom having the Messiah baby. Uh, kids haven't been the what the the youngest person in the world is eighteen years old because women have been infertile for eighteen years, and then he dies yes. at the start of the movie, and everyone's like, "Baby Diego, oh baby Diego," and we get but introduced going, to Clive Owen, and he's like, "Baby Diego was a fucking prick." Can't. <laughs> and, and then a bombing. And then a bomb in straight away. <laughs> straight away. It's like, that was a, I, I sat down and Brit hadn't seen it before. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's this kind of sci-fi movie about women are infertile. And then a pregnant lady is pregnant for the first time in 18 years. She's like, oh, okay. And it opens with a shooting and a bomb in. And then very stark vision of refugees not being let into Britain. She's like, what, what movie are we watching? What is this? <laughs> what what are we is watching? this? Alfonso Coran really catching him in that moment before he then goes and makes uh, what's the Sandra Bullock movie Gravity. in space. So it's pre that. I think this is hitting his sweet spot where it's post Harry Potter as well. This was like his entry into Hollywood. Like he did Harry Potter and he did one of them and it was like, that was probably the best Harry Potter movie. I think he did Prisoner of Azkaban. And then he did this and just like one shots through the entire film. Just... A lot of like steady cam one shots. Yeah. Sort of walking around. Yeah, it's great. I, I was getting my nerdy movie brain on, and each time I knew one was coming because I've seen it like six times, I'm like, get ready, Brit. This is a one shot. Just see if you notice it. See if you notice it. And then the long one that goes for like 20 minutes near the end. Through Brighton? Where, through Brighton, where um, blood splashes on the camera, but they couldn't cut because oh, it was so like good. a long one shot. She's like, um, there's blood on the screen. Do you think that's put in in post or do you think that's actually on the camera? I think that happened because there's, I think it's sick. I think it's like five minutes later where the one shot's still going, but it's a really emotional moment and the blood's suddenly gone. So I think they had to like hide a cut and wipe it off because they're like, yeah, we can't leave this on for another 10 minutes. It's really yeah. going to ruin the emotion. I think because we, we, we've got 10 to get through, so we have to go rapid. I, I had children um, and men. Um, my next one, uh, was I don't know if you've seen this movie. Have it's another Clive Owen, him rescuing babies is a real theme. Have you seen the movie Shoot 'Em Up? No. Shoot 'Em Up is like an over-the-top action film where Clive Owen's like a, a ex-assassin drifter through like modern-day New York, and some person has a baby, and all these assassins are trying to kill the baby, and like his opening scene is stumbling along a, a woman giving birth. And he delivers the baby while popping off pistols in both hands, killing all these assassins coming into the room. It's tongue in cheek, right? It's it's, it's not. It not... is it is next level, over the top. Like he one that opening scene, he delivers this woman's baby while killing people, and then he's like carrying the baby and still fighting and killing people. And then another scene in the movie is him killing more assassins, like mid sex. Um, he kills people with carrots. But it's him. It's I think it's the OG Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, it was Last of Us before Last of Us. So it doesn't take on like the Liam Neeson, like we're going to take this dead seriously. Oh, it's like, God, It's no. a bit of a piss take. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Massive piss take. Just Google it after we're done. The shoot em up. You're just like trying to follow the plot and uh, won't have any idea. But I just wanted to go with Clive Owen too far because uh, sure. Children of Men was his very serious, I'm saving a baby that's going to save the world. And then shoot him up is like, I'm saving a cocaine dealer's baby because was it that, happens to be here. Was that directed DVD or a streamer or something? Probably. That didn't get a cinema <laughs> no. release, did it? No, God, no. But Paul Giamatti plays the bad guy. He'll do anything for a paycheck sometimes. He does. Um, my number two is Juno. Again, I think that is like 2006, 2007. I Have had that on my that list. On yours? Yep. Yeah, great. I don't think we need to talk about it at too great of length because... Um, I think a lot of people, well, whoever's listening has probably seen it anyway. Um, but I think it's a, a film very indicative of its time and it's probably aged not that well. Did we all watch that? That would have come out when we were 15 or 16. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone we watched it. Still in high school, yeah. And it had Michael Sarah right after Superbad. So I think people kind of thought it was going to be another raunchy high school comedy, a bit like Knocked Up, a bit like Superbad. And then it was like a very meditative, serious look at teen pregnancy. 
And but also like we're gonna skedaddle, guys. <laughs> it's very of its time. I haven't I haven't watched that since we probably first watched it in like two thousand five. It is a time capsule sort of film, but you go look and look through the cast where Alison Janney, Michael Sarah, um, who is the father again? Uh, it's not um, J.K. Simmons, is it? Yes. Yeah, and. Um... Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. He's in it. As like a reluctant father. And then Jennifer Garner as like the really needy um, woman who wants like... Wants to adopt um, the baby. Yeah. And then Jason Bateman hits on Juno and her, him and Jennifer Garner break up and Jennifer Garner takes the baby anyway. Do you remember that? It was a bleak ending. Yeah, really. Jason Bateman, bad guy. (laughs) Surrogacy. Are we like... Thoughts. Um, why are you asking? Are you going to give up the baby, or no, no? Are you I looking want, for adoption? I, I find that every every so often, like it might come up in conversation with people, and I'm always almost like, "What's the room temperature with people in surrogacy?" Um, look, if someone else wants to carry the baby, then go for it. Are you talking adoption or surrogacy? Surrogacy as actually paying somebody to hold their child as. Two men who never have to carry a baby. I don't know that we can comment on whether surrogacy is a good idea or not. Well, it's illegal, it's illegal to do it in Australia for to be paid. Oh, really? I you didn't know that. Do it. You can do it if you like, just want to do it, but you cannot do it and make profit from it or pay somebody to do it in Australia. That's heavy. I didn't so know that's that. quite. It's quite often that you'll do it in maybe like Southeast Asian nations, or you could go to like Canada and it's fine. Such a a, thing? Yeah, like, let's get the, the room temperature on surrogacy for our first pod back moving on number three Blade Runner 2049 I didn't even think about it because this is like the concept of childbirth right um, does the Jared Leto figure create life in that film yes and does he then immediately kill that life yes that's true. And then on top of that, so Harrison Deckard's, Deckard and I can't remember her name, the replicant the, the, from the first the robot. Yeah, well, their offspring. Well, is it a robot? Is it human? Is it it's something else that doesn't have an immune system that is... Um, bubble boy. Bubble, bubble girl. Bubble girl. <laughs> and that she, she's a child in it as yeah, well. Yeah. And the whole, nat, the whole premise part of the film is like... Is Ryan Gosling actually Deckard's child? And someone said, no, Ryan Gosling's just a replicant and you've got to live with that name. <laughs> did you, so, um, when we talked about doing baby films, did you immediately go 2049 or did, was this like a pondering for a while of like, mm, what else can I do that's a good about movie? About five minutes. Five minutes, you got it. Five minutes, I like. I looked up a lot of, a lot of movies. It was almost like, this is all bad. Yeah, but I can I can also understand there's way better wedding movies than pregnancy movies because pregnancy is horrific and hard and hard to make jokes or drama out of. Did you um Did you want to get Sam back? Uh, I know she just left the room to tell us about how hard pregnancy is. Uh, let's not talk about that. She doesn't want to talk about it ever again. Nah. No. Um, We're good. I had um, my next one was uh, Neighbours. With not the Australian um, sitcom, uh, with still Rose Byrne though. Rose Byrne, uh, Seth Rogen. Uh, I think that's kind of the stage of life that you're in, and I'm staring down the barrel very quickly. Um, couple with a newborn, move next to a frat house, and try to still be cool and have fun, but also are like old people. Like our baby's gone to bed. We need to keep this down. So I just, I'm going to do my podcasting. I, I, yeah, can everyone keep it down? I'm podcasting and Theo's asleep. Just shut your mouth. So I've, I put that one in just for you, just because um, there has been a couple of times in the last two months where it's like, yeah, no, we got the baby. Can't do anything. Although you did bring the baby out to the pub two weeks ago. And I got to say, it was quite an eye opener to see how much of a potato a newborn baby is. I, he's moving more. He's smiling more. He, he's, he's now flipping. Like not like tumble turn, but like he, he can go from front to back. I, I like um, I, you. You picked you picked the baby up, and 
I expected it to like look and smile and stuff. You're like, yeah, man, it doesn't do that yet. It can't see more than a centimeter in front of it. I'm like, this thing can't do anything. And you put it back in the pram and it's just wobbling. Sam is like, who thought that this was a good idea for anybody? That this guy should come out at this state and be so unprepared for the world? <laughs> it's like, put put a baby in a pram at that age and like, like they can't see anything. They can barely hear anything. They're just like... Uh, just waiting for you to come back and make physical contact again. Apparently they can smell you or the mother. I don't know. As long as you come back 60% of the time, he doesn't remember the 40%. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Neighbours, uh, great opening scene of um, Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne trying to have sex while their baby watches them. Uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment, thanks. What else you got? I, I, well, I, with Blade Runner, I like the bit where he's got like the... It's the body bag is high up in the ceiling, and like the 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 woman or person sort of slides through the bag and it hits the floor and all the juices is on them, and then it's sort of like they're in the sort of um, what's the position on when you fetal? put your head in the fetal position, and then like Jared Leto comes and like lifts their head up and it's almost like given life, and then he just snaps their neck straight away. It's almost like I tell you what, hey, that's life giving. <laughs> Were you in the room when um, Sam gave birth? Yes. Yep. Cool. You don't have to. You don't have to discuss any further. Number four: Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> you really? You obviously googled movies with babies and said, "Yeah, no, nah, these are all shit." I tell you what, though. Again, that is a film that is pivotal around the birth of that child, and that child is like Luke and Leia, and. Uh, was it um, Padme somehow dies during childbirth from like a broken heart? Yeah. Yeah, they don't really explain about how she dies except for the fact that Anakin had already turned by then and she just kind of fades away. Um, but yeah, ch- but there is a scene of childbirth and where you've got the, the droids so they go, Uba, Uba. <laughs> Remember that? Did you watch when this you- recently? <laughs> no. We'll do it again. Oh man, what do you rank? Um, what do you rank? Revenge of the Sith in terms of all Star Wars, though, is it the only one that you could pick that had childbirth. Best of the prequel. Yeah, that's fair. But that's but it. hey, that, that is that is we see pregnancy play out. She's like pregnant right at the start of the film, and by the end, she can birth. Not sure how if nine months really elapses or six months elapses during that time. Nope. But baby. it's a but it's Luke uh, and Leia. It's a it's a savior baby. It's a Jedi baby. And so, and then what are we going to do? And then like we have surrogate parents, and we decide we're going to split them up, which doesn't sound like a good idea at all. Um, don't do that parenting one hundred and one. Don't split up your twins. That's, I don't know why well, they maybe, split them up. I've never understood they, that. They don't, they don't realize that they're siblings later, and then they kiss in Empire, and it's fucking weird. That's um that's that's the only reason George Lucas did it. <laughs> I don't think they were meant to be siblings in the first one though. Well, I don't, I don't think it was. Let's not get bogged down in this. What's your next pick? Um, my next pick, uh, keeping it weird, is uh, Mother. Have you seen Mother with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's by Darren Aronofsky? I haven't, but I know it's weird. As yeah, fuck. it's weird as fuck. Uh, the best way to describe Mother is that Jennifer Lawrence is Mother Nature. And Javier Bardem, her husband, is God. And pretty much the entire Bible plays out within the course of the film, just like really rapidly. So like Cain and Abel, some brothers break in and then one kills the other. Like I don't need to go through the Bible. But um, as it's a, a horror movie, right, though. Yeah, yeah. As a newly um, uh, childbearing family, don't watch Mother because um, she gives birth to what is an allegory of Jesus Christ and all these worshippers turn up to worship the baby and we all know what happened to Jesus and that happens to the baby in the film. So, fucked up horror movie, but uh, quite interesting. I, I sat there the whole time just kind of mouth open, just being like, what am I watching? And then it only hit right at the end that it was like, oh, this is like the Bible. Just condensed down into a 90-minute film. Do you see it in the cinema? God, no. That's this is the one where people were walking out puking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. People were puking in their seats and walking out because yeah, there's a really harrowing scene with a baby, so not ideal for you guys. Um, the last one I had, 
Um, I I had a late change today um, because I took one out because it was almost like I rewatched the trailer. I was like, actually, I, I, that was a bad movie. I was really what'd scraping you, the What did you take out? No, 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 because it's, it's out. It's gone now. It's in the ether. And um, I've added the creator. Okay, we can't talk about it though because I haven't seen it. It's in the title. Give give the and it gives it. give like a, a thirty second review of it for anyone who wants to maybe see this. Oh yeah, Gareth Edwards, biggest scale sort of huge um, spectacle sci fi, really interesting casting. Alison Janney is so good in it, and you don't realize that she's in it right at the start. Um, some questions about some storyline, and I. I I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but it's almost like, man, we used to make movies <laughs> when like the good guys won't win, you know. And I just don't get it anymore. What happened? It's almost like fucking Avatar. Well, no, like you know, it's just like Avatar. It's almost like you know, it's very clearly the blue aliens are the enemy, and the humans <laughs> are the good guys. I don't know why we're getting this metaphor mixed up, guys. I don't understand. So the creator's about childbirth, and you liked it. Great. Also, I had a Death Star in it. It's spectacular. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do wedding movies because I've gone through my five. Okay. We had I had um, Juno, Children of Men, Neighbours, Mother, and Shoot 'Em Up. I had Children of Men, Juno, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, and The Creator. So four out of five were sci fi movies. Um, some quite that's, violent and dystopian. That's common for sci fi. I, I feel like um, you've picked a theme post baby to. Um, go quite grim on your childbirth movies i didn't pick alien like come on oh alien that would have been a great one no prometheus would have been better the um the cesarean scene in the lab where she pulls the alien out of her stomach i did think about it yeah damn it that, that, that would have been is, great isn't doesn't that have, a, that have like ai where it's almost like it performs a cesarean yes the robot does. it's a robot that cuts an alien out of her stomach yes. or you could have just gone the original alien where john hurt gives birth to an alien I don't think that's birth, though. <laughs> so, weddings. Um, I have started looking at venues. It's quite daunting. Um, but I've been to weddings. I've been to your wedding. I've been to a number of weddings. So, I think I know what I need to be looking out for. Um, the first thing is vibes. I just want to bring really good vibes. Really, a, lot of, a lot of fun. A lot of alcohol. Um, and so for that, I'm doing Palm Springs as my first wedding movie. I just want like the, the vibes of Adam Sandler, uh, Adam, Andy Samberg in that movie. Just like, I think I'm thinking maybe just ditching the suit halfway through and coming back out in a Hawaiian shirt and yellow shorts. No, just don't do that. Just, just, you know, rocking it as if I've done this a million times. I do like that. That's a great pick. And it works really well that whole Groundhog Day, but in a wedding context, uh, there's there's a lot to play with there with the format. My dog is having a massive whinge, <laughs> so just ignore that. Um, good pick though. I think that's a good starting pick. I think you you were going hard on vibes though. I, Don't go too hard too early. I really want um, the dad in that movie. Every time Andy Samberg loops again. And the dad played by the guy, the dad from the OC. You, you hear his voice and he's like, it's going to be a beautiful wedding. Just like 50 times in the movie. I just want somebody to say that at my wedding. So can you just lock that in? When you turn up at whatever time, just be like, it's going to be a beautiful wedding. I'm just having a think through my list if there's anything there that would match up with yours. I actually don't think there will be anything. So the next one I've got is Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is like the seminal sort of Richard Curtis movie. Um, maybe not Apex Mountain for Hugh Grant, but I think it, it encapsulates the experience of going to weddings with friends the most. I've never seen it. Mate, you're missing out. Hugh Grant. Yeah. He's got that dog in him. <laughs> I um, put uh, in my Richard Curtis spot because I was like, had to have a Richard, Cur- Richard Curtis movie. I put About Time as my next pick. Great pick, yes. Which, I don't know, um, you did sci-fi. I'm going sci-fi for my, my wedding movies. Um, obviously, old mate Gleason can just keep going back in time and it has probably like one of the great wedding scenes in that movie, I think, where he has to pick the best man like five times before he lands on his dad. A great red dress. 
Great red dress, yeah. Good option. Yeah. And a really interesting walk down song and it rains and they embrace it. I just think that that wedding scene in an otherwise pretty good movie is like a great wedding scene. It's an idealised vision of what a wedding can be. Yeah, just embrace it and have fun. Yeah. So so Damo's obviously going to get the call up? Damo will do a speech and everyone will cry because Damo will cry as well. And... um, it's going to be really emotional. Oh, here we go. Melancholia. Oh. Lars von Trier. <laughs> Real Have grim. Real grim. This is like hitting, hitting our early 30s, thinking about the, the meaning of life and uh, if, if life is over by locking ourselves down into weddings and babies for the rest of our lives. Do you think that's what Lars von Trier is saying? Yes. In that film? hundred percent. Isn't the whole thing I, like... I didn't read it as that at all. Isn't the whole thing like a metaphor of she thinks that her life is kind of over now because of the way she's like getting married and she's not young anymore. And that the sense that the world could be ending is the whole point of that. Wow. I never read that into that. I just thought it was about, about a big blues base thing going on. Oh. <laughs> um, Did you watch it recently? I never read that. No, I haven't seen it since I was in the cinema, but I loved it because it was almost like, Hey, this planet is going to land in, like, smash into Earth. And then, like, everybody's going to be like, oh, no, it'll pass, it'll pass. And then Keeper Sutherland kills himself in, like, in the stables and people almost like, oh, shit, we're all fucked. This is serious now. I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I think I remember reading something or hearing something about how, like, the end of the world is a metaphor for her getting older and, like, not living her youthful life anymore. And so... um now she's just depressed and thinks the world's over. Would, would you feel depressed marrying a Skarsgård? No. Which Skarsgård is it? <laughs> it's the younger. Is it Alexander? Yeah. Yeah, I'd marry him. I wouldn't be upset about that. <laughs> that is a stacked cast as well. Like John Hurt's in that too. Kiefer Sutherland, Charlotte Gainsborough. <laughs> is Charlotte Kirsten Gaines- Dunst is like... Yeah, Pete Kirsten's yeah. dance at that point. Um my next one uh, is this little horror movie called Ready or Not. Have you heard of this? Oh, I thought you were going to pick this. Have you seen it? I haven't it? seen it, but I know you're a fan of it. I'm a big fan of this movie. This is like a really small horror movie, kind of horror, comedy, thriller, where uh, a lady marries into a rich family that started a game company and they have all this wealth because they signed a deal with the devil. And essentially, anytime someone new joins the family, they have to play a game. And that game ends up being hunt the bride and try to kill her and she might survive. And then if she does, she gets to live in the family. It's great. It's very, very good. Samara Weaving? Yes. Um, and uh, 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 Kittrich from Mission Impossible plays the, da- <laughs> plays the dad in the family. Who, who does he play as? He's the, he's the patriarch of the family. Yeah, it's good. It's funny, but like some good killers in it and a really good twist ending. So that's a good wedding movie. I've got three to go i think i'm gonna burn like my number five and i'll come back to three and four because three and four are the ones i want to talk about most so um rachel getting married uh is that have you seen it Anne hathaway and Anne hathaway is a car crash in it and her sister is getting married yep. and she's like come out of rehab and she's a fucking mess um and mind you, by the end, it's sort of an uplifting sort of narrative about life and family and yada, yada, yada. But I do like it just for Anne Hathaway's performance of just being like an absolute car crash of a person when normally when you see Anne Hathaway in films, it's normally the opposite. It's very well put together. It's almost like this pristine or, yeah, well put together character. I think like Devil Wears Prada and stuff like this. Or like Princess Diaries, but then here it's almost like no, the complete opposite. Where no, this person's an absolute car crash, and just almost like turning up at her sister's wedding. It's almost like oh my god, like can she get her shit together? Um, and I just really like that performance. And it's it's awkward at weddings where sometimes there's always going to be a black sheep of the family, and how you manage that person in ceremony or the, um, the reception or just through the day, like how you engage with that person um so my next one uh had to be um bridesmaids we don't need to talk about it everyone's seen bridesmaids no no i get that and i i I, that was in my consideration as well 
and I thought you would pick that up. So that's why I, I thought step away and actually go more out there with some of my picks. Yeah, all right. Well, then what's next? Uh, the Godfather. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sorry, I know. Again, two, two uh, 30s real white dudes talking about The Godfather. Have you seen Barbie yet? Yes. <laughs> Do you still want to talk about Godfather on this podcast? Why not? Oh my gosh, are you watching The Godfather? <laughs> Tell me about it. I've never seen this film. So let's talk about it. <laughs> that, in the sense, the film opens on a wedding in some ways. And but talking about this idea of organized crime and wedding, uh, the FBI are outside um, taking number plates. There's also like, they've got the, uh, how would you sort of describe the singer? Like, pretty much the wedding singer. Yep essentially. But he's also a pop star at the time, serenading. And then sort of oh, Al Pacino sort of comes in and it's sort of coming back from military service and, again, black sheep sort of thing, all that stuff. And it's like, again, all the dialogue that's happening where it's almost like you, you come and ask me to just kill a man on the day of my it, daughter's it wedding. come to me like, on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good pick, good pick. So we've entered uh, Mojo Dojo Casa House territory. <laughs> Mate, you want to you want to stay there and hear my last pick? I was gonna go wedding crashes, and then I had an epiphany, and I realized I could do the most me thing ever and pick the Timothy Dalton James Bond film License to Kill, uh, which is the one that opens at Felix Leiter's wedding, and terrorists come and capture Felix and feed oh. him to sharks. In like the first twenty minutes of the, he's still in his like groom suit when he gets lowered into a pit of sharks and they chew him and eat his legs off. So that's. I think I'm gonna watch this on YouTube <laughs> straight after this. Yeah. Go go, Felix Leiter death, license to kill, and then that's the one where Timothy Dalton goes like Daniel Craig rogue before Daniel Craig did it, where he like he's he's off the edge. Felix, his best friend, is dead. He was the best man at the wedding. And he just goes like on a tear. I think this is the one where he goes through like Florida and just kills like drug cartels in Florida. It's the most un-James Bond That's film sick. ever made. It's more Miami Vice than Bond. It's so Miami Vice actually. So yeah, I had like an epiphany about an hour before we started recording. I'm like, yeah, this is my pick. Absolutely. Um, the last one I've got is, I actually think this is a really funny pick, um, but also typical because this is quintessential med- wedding movie stuff. Sam watched this the night before of our wedding, um, and it's my best friend's wedding. Are you familiar? Why? Well, yeah, yeah. Why well, would Sam watch it before the, the night before your wedding? Well, Cartini put it on, and I think halfway through they realised this is a terrible piece. This is terrible because it's it's all about Julia Roberts sabotaging her the best wedding. friend's wedding. Wedding. <laughs> but I think about that where Julia Roberts is the protagonist in that film, and you know America's sweetheart and all, all that sort of stuff. Is there any other actress that could actually pull that off where she's actually a terrible person here? She's evil. Um, you know, she's she's the bad person. Not necessarily evil, but she's the what she's doing is wrong. And who what other actress could carry it but then still sell to audiences that she's the likable protagonist? Uh, if we're talking right now, Emma Stone could. I'd buy that. But that's sure. all I can think of. You, you immediately made me think by asking that. You made me think of that, um, which I think I liked at the time and I can't remember why, but um, The Maid of Honor starring Patrick Dempsey and it was pretty much the exact same thing. He was like Just the reverse. He was like a male maid of honor for his best friend, but he was in love with her. So he tries to like sabotage the whole wedding and everything. I'm like, here, that didn't work. Julia Roberts and then Emma Stone today, maybe. And then, for example, who's less likable than Cameron Diaz? Gen- Jennifer Lawrence could play like an unlikable bride. Opposite Emma Stone, maybe. Well, we just we watched her new comedy, No Hard Feelings, a couple of nights ago, and it sucked. And she was horribly unlikable in that movie. So I could picture her. Maybe. I could picture her now doing it. And then Dermot Mulroney. Could we just get Dylan McDermott to play? <laughs> no one else can play Dermot Mulroney. Jeez. <laughs> um, Good songs in it. I think there's something fun. In that, and I think it's a twist on that. It plays up to that sort of typical 
90s rom-com sort of thing and by then she's obviously like oh well I, I have to let him go but i do like the idea that he's like a sports writer that's marrying somebody who's like rich young and hot it's pretty you know, like <laughs> what world is this <laughs> it's pretty wild that that movie has like julia roberts being the protagonist of like yes i'm gonna ruin my best friend's wedding because i'm she's in love with her yeah. i'm in love with her husband it's like you go get him girl we're here with you we believe in you <laughs> Um, all right, so pretty grim picks, uh, a lot of them, for childbirth and weddings. But was there any that you had that were kind of honorable mentions? What was your... Give us the one that you took off the list last minute for the creator for childbirth. Baby baby Mama, because like I really like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Oh, that's but a, then that's actually a terrible on, movie. It's a terrible movie. It's a really bad movie. Um, because I watched the trailer and so I was like, oh, I remember watching this at the cinema and it was shit. It's amazing that they did Baby Mama and they did Sisters and both those movies are horrendous and yet they're incredibly funny people really otherwise. Funny. I yeah. know. Who's writing their scripts for these movies? I think they were. I know. That's a problem. They need Saturday Night Live writers back. Um, I think we're pretty good with that list. Yeah. You want to take a break and then we'll come back and do best shows of the year so far. Welcome back to the advanced screening. We've just kind of ranked, uh, just for a bit of fun, given our life situations, uh, childbirth, pregnancy, and wedding films. Uh, But instead, right now, we're going to do the best shows of the year so far because we haven't actually come together and done a pod in about three months. Um, You and I have kind of three or four shows that we know are just like immediately top of the list. If you haven't watched them yet, get on them. Um, Last of Us is one of them. People who loved the game loved it. People who loved the game hated it. It was kind of 50-50. You were one of those people. What did you think? Just kind of real quick. Oh, superb adaptation for screen. I think it's the best. It's the most accessible zombies have probably been since The Walking Dead, but then The Walking Dead sort of squeezed that orange hard and now we're coming back with Daryl Dixon and all that other stuff. But I, I think it is the, the reason why it was so successful as a game is that it's not just a zombie sort of game it's more than that and we've talked about it previously we don't need to labor it i had that at number two what was your number one i think the succession just because of like you know number one boy it's there and because of the final season yep Uh, and i think the reason why i did this like a month ago is also because of the writers strike and the actor strike that we're now getting to a point in the year where the slate has been shifted where, for example, really what we should be talking about right now is probably episode one and two of HBO's um, True Detective Night Country with oh. Jodie Foster in Alaska. But Go watch that trailer slate, if you haven't watched it yet. Oh, my God. So the slate is a bit empty. So, like, I found myself that – I know I'm going a bit off topic, but I've, I went back and I watched, like, the pilot of Yellowstone. I went back and I started watching the first couple of episodes of Poker Face just because shows that I've missed – in some way or another, whether over the past five years or in the past like five months, because there's just a dearth of what's out at the moment, really, when like the ringer.com, they rate the top 10 shows out at the moment, and Ahsoka is one. And it's like, that's wild. We, we have some thoughts on Ahsoka, and I'm slowly warmed to it as the season has gone on, but Ahsoka is the number one show on TV. It's like, we've got a problem. That's, that's number one show right now when six months ago, we literally went from last of us for eight weeks on a sunday night to succession for eight weeks on a sunday night like i'm pretty sure succession premiered the week after last of us finished that's like probably number one and two shows of the year back to back and now you're watching yellowstone and i put on um the walking dead daryl dixon which you just mentioned (laughs) which i had i loved walking dead i stopped about halfway through so i sat through literally a 65 minute character recap narrated by the actor that plays Daryl Dixon, just him him sitting at a table talking about his character in third person while clips of the show run over it. And I'm like, I watch that, and then I watch the first episode of the show because there's literally nothing else on at the moment. Was there too much happen in that... Did too much happen in that 65 minutes, really? Oh, I, by the time it was done, I was like, I didn't catch any of that. All right, time to watch the show. So, yeah, that, I think we both had the, the one and twos as Succession and Last of Us. And I'm pretty sure we have the same yeah. three as well, don't we? What did you have? The Bear. Yes, that's my... I changed that last minute. I bumped it up to three. Um, I think there was 
some criticisms or just not necessarily criticisms. I think some people felt differently about this season compared to the first season because this was a season in transition where you had almost a character study per episode where, for example, that um, Denmark episode where the, the pastry chef goes there, hangs out, figures out what he wants to do, learn stuff, and that's the, the bottle episode, of, effectively. And that, they did that with a number of different characters. So it doesn't have the flow and linear nature of the other, uh, the first season, um, but it's so well made. The music just hooks you in. The performances are fantastic. I do have one, I have one bugbear mm-hmm. um, with the bear. If you if you're willing to indulge me with that, um, Tani's girlfriend, right? Yes. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Sam sent me a really interesting Vogue article about a month ago, where it's actually said that that character is bullshit. Like she doesn't that exist. She is. It's an unrealistic depiction of that character. Because what what does she do for a job? She's a nurse. Oh yeah, we do see her in the hospital um, once, don't we? Yeah. She's a nurse, she's a shift worker, so she's working 12-hour shifts. And yet, she's available at a drop of the hat for Kami in all situations. Yeah, but... Never has anything going on in her life. Wouldn't most people be available for Jeremy Allen White at the drop of a hat? I think it, it showed this depiction of the, in quotation marks, cool girl, which is a male fantasy. It is. It was a bit weird to have like a cool, a character that is like cool girl-esque in a really, really otherwise modern and progressive show. Sam has just texted me from the other room saying, she's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean about the... the. It's interesting that like people had criticisms about the bottle episodes because it kind of it was made it very different to the first season that everyone loved. But at the same time, like the Richie episode is like one of the best episodes of TV I've watched this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You, you got to like take them and leave them kind of kind of thing um but definitely a transition season had you did you watch it when it came out the year before yes you had had well, you you were later on it yeah well, we we binged the first season right up until the second season premiered so we got to do the two seasons back to back and it, i don't think the the difference was as noticeable doing it back to back it felt like a natural progression for them kind of thing and it was just like like a wave washing over you of just kind of really great stuff like the the bottle episode flashback with um Bernthal as well at the family dinner oh the christmas episode it kind is of, so chaotic it almost it like very very barely has anything to do with the modern thing like you kind of understand their relationships and stuff a bit more but it really has nothing to do with the modern day it's just a really really cool thanksgiving episode where what's her name think- ja- jamie lee curtis is just like off off on one like did all the cocaine before she filmed that episode <laughs> I think it was great because it gives you such context for those relationships, especially with the Burnthal character who's obviously died before the start of the first season. I went, I actually, we watched the second season and then I just went back and just binged the first season straight away. Again, it just gave me more context and I, I liked just hanging with these characters. They're fantastic. Yeah. And the, the writing in it, the acting, even the, the way it's shot. Um, so frenetic. I found myself at work. When I would be walking down like like a really busy hall of students, and I just shout behind, behind, yes, chef, yes, chef. Um, I think you just said the best thing, and it's hanging out with the characters, which is amazing because so many of them are jerks to each other so often. But you just want to like be in their space. The other thing I really liked, well, this is the thing being in their space because I like the depiction, especially of Kami, but then like when those other sort of chefs came into it where they're from other places. They're fucking jet fighter pilots. Yeah. And the way that they are shot, it's like Top Gun Maverick, where it's the intensity and close-ups of the frame on Kami is sort of depiction of, like, is this guy a Formula 1 driver or he's, like, a jet fighter pilot? It's And it elevates the importance of his actions as well in the presentation of the lens and frame. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I think our we're pretty much going one, two, three. Our fourth may or may not be different. Tossing up, kind it's of. Different. I I uh, was tossing up um, jury duty or silo, um, but then because we had to push back one week, I finished Linus 
And so I wanted to put Lioness, if we had done this last week, I wouldn't have finished it and I wouldn't have put it on my list, but it is on the list. Let's get married because Lioness is number four for me. (laughs) Lioness, I texted you at one point in one of these episodes, uh, it's on Paramount Plus for anyone. I'm sure everyone's heard of Succession, Last of Us and the Bear. Lioness, they might not have heard of. It's on Paramount Plus. It's about... Nicole Kidman and um, Zoe Saldana run in a special ops spy kind of team of women who infiltrate daughters and wives of terrorists uh, to get their trust and get close to the terrorist and kill them. That's the pro- that's the entire premise. But I texted you after one episode. Thank you, Taylor Sheridan. And I was just like, this liner show is a spy show about killing terrorists. And in this episode, it had... Uh, no, it had uh, a, a car accident where a teenager died. Another teenager shattered her leg in half. She also found out she was pregnant and had to abort the baby. She had to learn about teen sex. And she didn't get pregnant off a terrorist either. Didn't get pregnant off a terrorist. And that's all within a spy show in like 40 minutes while they're doing all the spy stuff. It's like really American drama at the same time. And then also just doing like special operations on home soil when that is like definitely not within their remit. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that I know about the CIA is that they don't operate on American soil and they were doing that over and over again. <laughs> um, it's fucking great. It is intense. I think it's all now thinking back on it because I watched it in the space of about two weeks and I thought now looking back, it's sort of funny. You can sort of parry, it's parry fucking, it so it's, much. It's fucking insane. Like, Nicole Kidman's husband is, like, just a traitor living in his mansion. And he's like, oh, yeah, we gotta, you got to give me some hints on how the oil's going so I can get in on pre-trading. And it just, it's just like, yeah, so apparently people are allowed to trade before and after official trading periods. It's just like... What, what is he? Is he, like, an FX trader or what's going on there? i got no idea. He's is, got, is he's, he, like... He's got eight TVs, like, he's in a TAB at the pub down the road, but it's all just stocks running over the screen. He's got a Bloomberg ter- terminal. Um, what, what's the organisation from um, Bond? Spectre. Yeah, he's, he's obviously he's, Spectre. He's Spectre. And it's just, like, she's, like, works for the CIA, he's a trader, and they're just, like giving each other secrets like inside a trade and she's like yeah we're about to kill an oil terrorist so don't buy oil so he goes and shorts oil and makes like a billion dollars out of like a day's work and it's just kind of like yeah that's how america works now just all wrapped up in this spy show sexiest couple on screen ever (laughs) not because they didn't have chemistry they just had a different kind of chemistry chemistry (laughs) what a show um zoe saldana is just like hitting it out of the park the writing by Taylor Sheridan, and I think this is the thing with Taylor Sheridan shows, that some of them hit and some of them don't. But when they hit, it's like, is this the best thing in TV? Absolutely. You can kind of see, like a- you can kind of see that he's, like I felt pe- people who kind of just check these shows in and out won't kind of care or know, but I kind of felt that he's a guy writing eight episodes for five different shows a year. Because there's certain points where you know he's like, he knew what he wanted to write and he nailed it and he just like absolutely knocked it out of the park. And then the things that don't matter as much is like the jankiest fucking dialogue that no one would ever say in their life. But you got to take like the good with the bad because he's making five shows King a of, year. What's it? King of Tulsa? Um, Tulsa King. Have you watched Mayor, Tulsa of, King. Mayor of Kingstown? I watched about two episodes. Okay. Couldn't get into it. I was about to start it and I watched Daryl Dixon instead. <laughs> I think I think it's worth going back to. Um, phenomenal show. And then the other night, because I watched the pilot of Yellowstone, um, the doctor, the husband of Zoe Saldana, is the son that dies in the pilot. Oh, okay. So he's like, I'll, get, I'll get you back, man. It's all good. I'll get you back. It's a Taylor Sheridan deep cut. Wow. Um, yeah, great show. Really, really good show. This is where we're going to deviate now. I knew I I I saved. uh, I didn't tell you about Linus because I wanted to get your excitement. It's great. I'm so pleased that you rated so highly. Yeah, it was really really good. I think. Can can we just before we move on? What was your favorite bit? Was it the bar? I oh like I think no. I can't spoil it. I was going to say a bit in the last episode, but I don't want to spoil it in case someone goes watches it. I I I did really like when they were on the boat, um, and they were 
observing them from the boat and they just had hired like two girls to get drunk and sit on the deck to like look like it was a legitimate yacht and not like a spy boat and they got too drunk too early and it's almost like girls you gotta get back out there you gotta get back out of the boat they're like it's so wobbly it's like that's what happens when you drink a bottle of champagne at 9am it's like they've just paid these girls the bar where we can shorten it but the whole idea, she comes in to have a bar fight with a guy who Black Ops sort of waterboarded her to see if she was up to it. Like, oh, first episode bar fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, or was it second maybe? And then the whole idea, it's almost like they have the huge bar fight. She almost kills the guy. They all rip each other off. And then she gets a call from her mark. And the guy at the bar is like, did she just get a call from her mark during a bar, bar fight? fight? How they work it with it, and then they're walking out, and they're like, "Fuck off, Mailer, you fucking army boys, go jack yourself off." It's like peak middle America bar fights. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I think it's the best bar fight I've seen on screen since the nineties. <laughs> or the or the departed, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I can move on now. Yep. What's your next one? Uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, and I know that you might not be a huge fan of that, but. I think that's something that has resonated with me long after it, mainly because the album on Spotify is a banger. I've heard the album. I haven't watched the show. It's fantastic. Um, this depiction of the 1970s rock and roll scene, Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, it's not a, that, but it's obviously drawing upon the, those sort of things from like real sort of autobiographical histories. Um, it's just a really great hang. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a thoroughly enjoyable show. It, it is a melodrama, and there's some bits which are overly soapy, but um, it's we came back every week, and it was fantastic. Just a good hang. Yeah, it's just the best hang. Yeah. Um, my next one uh, I've been messaging you about, I don't know if you've finished yet, but it's Foundation on Apple TV+. You've got to get back into it. We've come up with a nickname for that show in our household. What? It's called Homework the Show. It is Homework the Show. It is the it is two seasons on Apple TV, and it is the most dense science fiction that has been made in like fifteen years. But yeah, if you sit down and you watch it and you commit to your homework, it is the it is also the best science fiction made in the last fifteen years. This is now what Star Wars used to be, what Star Trek used to be. This is the eighth and ninth ep of season two were by far and away, I can easily say, the best sci-fi on screen that I've seen in 10 years. I think I have to come back to it. I think it, because we watched, I think, the first three or four episodes, but I think we were just like, what's going on? And, and now it just feels so insurmountable. Do, do you ever get, Oh, like, it's insurmountable to get, to get back, yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like, actually, to me, to watch this properly, I need to not even just pick up the next episode. I need to rewatch season one and go into season two. So it's that is probably we're looking at a thirteen hour commitment to just get to the next episode. Yeah, and they're like, and it's not something I'm ready to do right now. Hour and ten minute long episodes. I mean, like, it's so hard to recommend. It's what not a clean forty five. No, it's so hard to recommend this show and talk about what it's about. But like, all I'll say is that it's just the best science fiction content that I've watched in like a decade. And the the eighth oh, and ninth depth of the last of the last season is so good. I completely buy all of that, but I think we watched an episode and it was almost like I don't know who these characters are. Yeah, you can't watch this with a phone out. You can't kind of be doing other tasks because you're going to be missing so much. This is like put the kids to but bed. The payoff is worth it. Payoff is worth it. The the most yeah the end of the most recent season is um, fantastic. I'm going to pick up with another Apple TV show. Um, I, I think you'll probably pick it. Do you know? Hijack? Drops of God. Oh, I have not watched damn Hijack it. yet. That's going to be on my list. Drops of God. Uh, well, before you talk about Drops of God, I, an honorable mention, like my list could have almost been, if we didn't talk about Last of Us, Succession and the Bear, my list would have been entirely Apple TV Plus shows. Just to go to our... Isn't um, that interesting? Like, you rate the morning show so highly. Oh, I fucking hate the morning show. But um, Foundation, Hijack, Slow Horses, Bad Sisters, if we had done it like they just ended at the end of December last year. Uh, the Silo, which we didn't talk about. Like, 
Apple TV, which we've mentioned so many times, on my list. has amazing, amazing shows, but only their shows, which is the problem. But it's also cheap. So tell you, I watched the first episode of Drops of God and I loved it. I just haven't come back to it yet. Over about three weeks. It's fucking great. So joint French-Japanese production. They've made it and then Apple's come over the top and bought the distribution rights for it. It's based on a Japanese manga about wine tasting. It's just like, like why, of, why is there a manga, a manga about wine tasting? Because Japan is weird and it's great. <laughs> and I love it. And so the, it's pretty much the shootout between uh, this French woman um, and this Japanese guy and uh, for this huge sort of wine bequeathment from her, her, from her estranged father and he was his star pupil in Japan. And it plays out of, out, of, out of eight episodes. They jump back and forth from Japan to France and Europe. Um, the timelines jump back and forth. The characters are really great and very likable, and I think that comes from the original writing in the manga. Um, some characters are sort of cobbled together who weren't a sort of combination of characters from the original source material. It's great. It's up there again with I put Daisy Jones and Drops of God at five and six because they are just the best hanks. Yeah, okay. I didn't like when I watched the first step, I didn't get the idea that they were super likable people, but I assume that comes out over the course of the season. She becomes far more likable. She loosens up once that there's the best bit where it's almost like I watched it with Sam when, where Sam is like studying the brain and stuff like that. And then they said, oh, you've got PTSD. So that's why you have nosebleeds when you drink alcohol. And, she, and Sam is almost like, that is the dumbest shit I've ever fucking heard in my life. <laughs> that That's not true. She's got to roll with it. <laughs> got, got to roll with it sort of thing. And all that sort of stuff. So once we got over that, I thought it was like, just the best. Yeah. Okay. You, you finish Foundation. I'll watch Drops of God. Okay. Deal. All right. Um, uh, honorable mentions before I do my last one, we just, we talked about, we actually did some pods about jury duty, which is like not the best show of the year, but fuck what a concept that was amazing. And like just an incredible, amazing concept. And we talked about it in a couple of pods, so we don't need to do it too much, but like this could have been a prank show. It could have been a nasty prank show. It could have gone wrong. There's so many things that could have happened and their casting of Ronald is so good that it almost feels fake. He is like the nicest man in America and all the people they put around him to try to rattle him and just takes it in his stride just like made me laugh but also like super heartwarming as well. I just thought it was fantastic. Do you think this will start now a wave of these sort of productions? 100%. That, yeah. I already, I when it finished, I went into work the next day and people were talking about it and I said like, 100% for sure you can see them already filming a show that's like a fake dating show and one person on the dating yeah. show thinks it's real. That would be the easiest thing to set up and I think it's going to continue for sure. It's such an open concept that it'd be interesting to see whether like the producers have a copyright over something like this, which I don't think they could. So like a million other people could be trying something like this right now. The execution of this is really hard but I actually think it's pretty cheap to make. There's you. Did you finish it? Did you wait till the end? Yeah. Yeah. Did like there was like a ten minute segment at the end of the last episode that was showing like the behind the scenes of things and how they needed to do one thing and he reacted mm-hmm. and they had to do something else. Like it'd be an absolute nightmare, but also just like incredibly fun too. But those actors who oh. were in character for three weeks nonstop. Just what a production. I just, I love the behind the scenes of this as much as I love the show. I think that's it. There's the voyeuristic nature of it. Yeah. But, but it doesn't have like not having to pay through the nose for your cast because a lot of these guys are like they're comedians, they're stage actors, they're extras. And then you make, you, you got paid for one name in James Marsden. Yep. And he's probably attached in some way as he was an EP. A, he was an EP. Anyway. Yeah, he was. So, like, he's tied to that show. So, I, the, from a money perspective, you could see that sort of being made by a lot of the other sort of networks or streamers yeah. where it's like, this is not necessarily easy content to produce, but 
this is a cost-efficient way to make stuff, especially when a lot of sort of uh, networks and streamers are just offloading or cancelling really expensive IP content. Would have been very interesting, particularly during the strikes that have gone on for five months, like the second longest in history, whether a lot of people are doing something like this. And you know what? You can franchise it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can easily do like a French or an Australian or a Japanese version of this show. I think we're going to see a lot more of it mid next year for sure. Cause yeah, no one's been good. writing scripts for five months. So someone was ready to hit record on one of those shows immediately. Um, what else you got? So I think it's a good one to sort of tie it to is I think you should leave. Yeah. Yeah. I lo- I loved it. I loved it. This is the first time I think I told you that I'd actually watched this show. I was sick one day and I just put it on and I watched the entire thing in one sitting. And it's just like, did you? Is it the most enjoyable like two hours you've had in front of a television this year? That shit crazy. I was like, what, what am I looking at? But at the same time, just cackling. And I just think that Tim Robinson, and then we, I went through deep cuts of Tim Robinson's old, like old pornography and bad TV shows and stuff like that. And just I'm now on that train. Whatever he makes next, that's it. I mean, him, him, the hat scene in the courtroom we played at your house once and just fucking lost it that is one of the funniest things on tv this year what the hell (laughs) (laughs) the um the the driving crooner (laughs) i i I made that gag like once a week easily it pisses sam off no end come on man he's not doing it properly I think I did it. I, I said it about Theo. He's trying to be the, the driving crooner because he's just like mouth is hanging over. <laughs> um, good pick. All right. Uh, I'm going to do my last couple real quick because we have been going for a while, but Hijack, um, which is Apple TV Plus again. This is just like old school filmmaking. I don't know. This is like what would have been a really, really great 100-minute thriller movie back in the day they turn into a six-episode series starring Idris Elba on a hijacked plane. And it's like that we were watching that week to week because that's how they released it. And each time the episode ended, we were like furious, like waiting for the next. So it's all out now if you go watch it. And I don't think once you start, you'll be you'll be like itching to watch the next one. It's really, really good. If this was made in 2006, who's starring in a, in a film? This is 06... Who was kind of up and coming in 06? Like Jake Gyllenhaal, Prince of Persia As days? As an action star. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, Prince of Persia. A good shout. Yeah. Um, like source code. So, source code. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I think they may maybe a bit early, but around then. Um, Clive Owen. No, Ryan, Clive Owen, yeah, hundred percent. This, this, if this was made at the same time as Children of Men, Clive Owen would be in this for sure, and he's British. Um, there's yeah, not, not much else, other... not much else to say about. It. Just really, really good kind of thriller. Butler. Um, well, he's pretty much doing this anyway every second weekend, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's doing this now. Yeah. yeah. Plane, train, and automobile is his next movie. Um, Den of Thieves. Den of Thieves. He's doing Den of Thieves too. Get ready. I know. Um, and my last one uh, hasn't even finished yet. Its series finale is Friday, but Wheel of Time season two. I've not watched any of season one or two. I don't know what it is about the show. It has a lot of people that hate it and a lot of people that love it. I'm kind of in the middle, but it's just very comfortable TV. It's kind of like really well-built, well-established world of magic and fantasy and whatnot. Um, And it just kind of feels nice to settle into it because you don't have to really focus too much, but it's not dumb TV either. It's got kind of like a good level of sci-fi fantasy to it that kind of just feels nice. Sounds like a good hang. It's a good. It's a good hang. It's a good hang. That show. That's all That's we're looking it. for you, these days. Where I want like either really high end prestige or re- something really fucked comedy. <laughs> yeah. And then in between that, really comfortable like good hang TV. That's well made with likable characters. Yep. What's your last one? A silo. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I mentioned it before, and we hadn't talked about it yet. That's that's good TV. Apple TV again. Rebecca Ferguson, they, just uh, on a million, executive producer, wanted to make this show herself, wanted to be in it, and you got to give her applause for it. I think it was the best version of that show that they could have made, where I think I remember I said this was 
a really dumb premise and I really disliked the, the, the concept of the show. But because it was well made, we watched it back to back and then it was almost like it became the thing we watched every week because Rebecca Ferguson is just very good at what she does and she, she drove it. And I, we watched the Rebecca Ferguson project really and I'm all in on that and it's almost like, if I can watch her week to week or like Idris Elba, like these are highly watchable A-listers, yeah, fucking yeah, I'm in. Even if the, I don't think the show's, I don't like the show's concept, but it's the best execution of this concept that we've seen. It's um, interesting that they're both on Apple and not too many other shows seem to have nailed it yet, but it's taking really simple, ordinary concepts and just making them really really well it just hijack for idris elba is just a plain hijacking but they like strip everything out of it silo is like any sci-fi thing ever it's like the world has ended people live underground but just the mystery to it and how they make it is just so so good um so it's like ordinary concepts that you're used to that are just really really enjoyable because of how well it's done i do think it's interesting now looking back over this that just very quickly and briefly that I think from my list here, I, I did have Barry, but like I don't really need to talk about that at a great length. I had, um, I did my, I had Yellow Jackets as well, but we've talked about I've I've brought that up every second pod we've done. Yeah. And then another notable mention I had is what we do in the shadows, the most recent season, just because, you know, it's the the hardest working comedy in TV, I think, where the, they just, it's so consistent. They deliver. It's always funny. Like, is, is Matt Barry like one of the funniest people on TV at the moment as Laszlo? Yeah. He really is, isn't he? He's, it's just kind of like, I, I think that show is massive in the States. I think they look at it as one of the best shows on TV. I don't know anyone who watches it here at all. And I just want to talk to people about Matt Barry. He's so good He's as fantastic. Laszlo. Again, immensely watchable. I, I actually, when I finished the most recent season, I just went back and watched the pilot and Matt Berry was still doing interesting stuff there. All those characters have been enormously developed, mm. but I, I think Matt Berry had sort of the closest to like what that character would become right at the start. I just want to talk like him all the time. I think he would be a really, really big pain in the ass. Gizmo, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was really good. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, I've watched, watched it so many times. That could be like your CR Burnthorn. <laughs> That's my new thing. What the yeah. fuck was this? <laughs> my good lady wife. All right, I'll stop doing it. I'll ruin it too quickly. I, I, I think... I think we're. I think that's how we signed it out. That's it. All right, Thomas. It's been fucking enjoyable. <laughs> Good to be back. Um, let's do a quick recap on these shows in case anybody wants to watch them. The ones that we don't really talk about too much: Foundation, Hijack, The Bear, Jury Duty, Silo. What did you have? Um, Lioness. Obviously, what we were talking about before: Daisy Jones and the Six, Drops of God. I think you should leave. Barry with Bill Hader his last season just go watch the whole thing because it's the takes the biggest left turn i think a series has ever taken from start to end um silo and jury duty uh and just to wrap up uh we think that there's going to be as we said a whole lot of empty tv in the next few months so hopefully um yeah they're the best shows that are pretty much all completed seasons and out now and we'll talk about the writer strike and what that might mean next week um, as well as something else. Oh, well, are we going to talk about the creator? Yes, I'm going to watch the creator hopefully tomorrow night and then we'll talk about it. All right, sweet. Good to be back. Um, okay. Go look after your cool. little kid that is hopefully still asleep and then wake up in about two hours. All right, see you later. <laughs>